This program is brought to you by Grand Valley State University. We're talking today with Bill Slayford uh, of Hesperia, Michigan. The interviewer is James Smither of Grand Valley State University. Uh, Mr. Slayford, can you start by telling us a little bit about your own background? Uh, for instance, where were you born and where did you grow up? Yes, uh, I was born in St. Clair Shores, Michigan, which is in Macomb County, just outside Detroit. And my, my, my mom and dad are native Michiganders also. Uh, my dad was born in 1895, and he was one of, of twin boys. Mm -hmm born in Brighton, Michigan, and my mother was born in Weidman, Michigan, and she was the oldest of five children of the Gruets, and uh, they're uh, local farmers in the, in the greater Weidman, Weidman area, and they grew various and sundry kind of crops. A lot of those uh, wound up feeding uh, the troops in World War One. My father and his brother were both members of the Michigan National Guard, and they're both in World War One. Mm -hmm. In fact, all all that I know of, as far as my relatives were concerned, I can't really pinpoint for sure. With my grandfather Sleaford, they were all in the service at one time or another. And myself and my two brothers, one older and one younger, we were in the, in World War Two together. My oldest brother was in the medical corps. My youngest brother was in the navy. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, how old were you when Pearl Harbor happened? Actually, when Pearl Harbor itself happened, I was only 17. Mm -hmm. But I graduated the following June, and right after graduation, I was 18. Mm -hmm. Now, before Pearl Harbor, had you been paying much attention to what was going on in the Absolutely. world? Absolutely. Absolutely, I had. Because when uh, my family relocated because my father was, uh, was, a, was a master machinist, working in the greater Detroit area in Continental Motors Corporation, who had a plant in the, in Detroit and also one in Muskegon mm -hmm. at the time, found out about him, and they made him an offer to come to Muskegon, which the family did in November of 1940. Why do I remember November of 1940 real well? Because the day that we moved, my brother and I we cleaned up the house and shut it up. In his 1931 Model A Ford, we drove from Muskegon, or from St. Clair Shores to Muskegon, and it was raining cats and dogs the whole day, just a miserable day. And every time the car would go through a big water puddle, it would splash up and hit the coil, and the coil had a crack in it. Mm -hmm. And the engine would, would conk out, but the residual heat of the engine itself, it wasn't long, and it would dry itself out again, and it would start operating again. But that day was November the 11th, 1940. Why is that day of any of any uh, interest? November 11th, 1940, was the huge, huge storm on Lake Michigan, where about 15 or 20 vessels went down to mm -hmm. Davy Jones' locker out there on that very same day. That's the day we moved to Muskegon. I then transferred from Lakeshore High School, where I went probably a good part of my life, in that one little school there, to Muskegon High School. I had 59 guys and girls in my class in Lakeshore, there were 349 mm -hmm. in the Muskegon Class A school. <laughs> that was a real shock, <laughs> going from, like, seemed to me like from from my school to a college campus, literally, and that we did have, we do have a campus, mm -hmm. and it was a, a lot nicer, I think, in those days than it is now, but that's, that's history. But uh, uh, we came up here 
and I, I got involved, but I was I was in athletics in the little school, but there was no chance mm -hmm. of getting in athletics in the big school. These boys and girls that were in athletics here in Muskegon kind of went through the process of getting started in, in little league and one thing and learn going right on through. They practically like a uh, like like you do in a machine shop. You go through a, a training session and and, and then if you're good enough, the coach lets you in. And he told me flat out. It was nice of him to tell me flat out. He said, Bill, he says, he said, you handle yourself good and so on and so forth, but I don't dare put you on first string because we got a lot of nice boys and girls here that can do the job, and they've been with us, and they perform mm -hmm. for us, too. So he says, it's up. if it suits you, you can sit here on the bench and maybe go with the JVs and so forth or do whatever else. So I, I figured, well, I'm in a new town. I might as well see if there's anything out there. So had my worker's permit, and I took got found myself a job in a, in a supermarket. Mm -hmm. Worked in that, and went to school, got on the, and changed my curriculum from, from general commercial to general retail. Yeah, because, and oh, incidentally, part of my uh, my training in, in high school was I took machine shop, and I took took woodworking shop, and I took several courses in, uh, in automotive also, and uh, learned Everything about an automobile and a truck that you could learn, mm -hmm. including transmissions and one thing or another. And having always been interested in automobiles, that was right down my alley. I want to just backtrack just a little, just a hair. Before we left Detroit for Muskegon, I, I submitted a request, an application to Ford Motor Corporation, and they had the Ford Trade School in those mm -hmm. days. Maybe a lot of folks have never heard of that. But Ford Motor had a Ford Trade School where you could go in there and you could start off uh, as a, a f super flunky. Mm -hmm. And the, and you got different assignments on from there on up to the time that you put four, four years plus in. And when you when you graduate from there, uh, you were recognized as a, a potential for a supervisor or managerial mm -hmm. job at some time when you had enough under your belt right. with a Ford Motor Company. I know it worked because a couple of my buddies that did go on the program that I knew and I went to high school with became superintendents and so forth. They were building B-24s, and some of them I could have flown in because all of our B-24s mm -hmm. we flew combat in were all made at Willow Run. Right. Uh, now, when you then actually graduated from high school, then did you get into work beyond supermarkets? or? Uh, after I graduated and after I became 18, I was mm -hmm. able to go to work in industry. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that time, I went talked to my boss in the supermarket and explained to him why. And plus the fact my folks had underwritten a, an automobile. I bought a 1936 Ford in 1941, mm -hmm. which is pretty good for a high school kid. Mm -hmm. I only had a five-year-old car. But I vowed that I would pay that off before I ever went in the service. So I took the job in industry with the Continental Motors Corporation mm -hmm. in Muskegon. And uh, I uh, I did very, performed various... Uh, duties as a non-productive worker there because of, because of the fact I was young and that mm -hmm. I wasn't going to be there very long. They right. didn't want to get me started on something and they have to pull mm -hmm. me out. And I during that process I worked all the overtime that I could work and so forth and I paid my automobile off so when I left in the service my car was in good shape and it was all paid off just in case. You know, you never know. So I never figured I'd least stick my folks with any big bills. <laughs> okay. Now when did you actually enter the service then? I entered the service on December 1, 1942, and the entry was 
we left from the armory in Muskegon. It's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, we traveled from there to Battle Creek, Michigan, and stayed overnight in the Burdick Hotel. There was an old hotel there for years and years mm -hmm. called the Burdick Hotel. We stayed overnight there and had, a, had what we thought was a wild night in Battle Creek, which is just sad as could be. Mm -hmm. There was nothing going. And the following morning, we went out, we went out to uh, Fort Custer. And that's, that was the point of entry into the service right there at Fort Custer right. in Battle Creek. And uh, I, it so happens that when I went in, four, about, there were five guys that I knew from my class in high school. We all went, went in the service together. Mm -hmm. And three of us stayed together for quite a long time. And the one fellow who's now dead, he and I reapplied for cadets. And his name was Slater. Uh, no, uh, there was that was another one, Don Peterson. And Don naturally alphabetically stacked up before S's did for mm -hmm. Sleaford. He went before the reviewing board, and before he went through it, he was uh, he was all worried. And I said, "What's the matter, but Don?" And he said, "You know." He says, I'd like to have my uniform look better than it does, and I didn't, wasn't able to get it in now the cleaners. He and I were the exact same size. So I said, I'll tell you what, Don, worry not. Here, use mine. So we swapped. Mm -hmm. They call it, in the military, they call it a blouse. So I, gave, I let him have my blouse. He went and did his interview and passed it. In the mean, somewhere along the meantime of swapping back, he must have had a rabbit's foot in his pocket or one thing or another. And he took it back out again, and when he took it back out, he was kind of excited, and he didn't rebutton the flap. Mm -hmm. And I was unaware of it. I was excited, too. I went in and got before the reviewing board, and the reviewing board was composed of of officers that uh, major rank was the lowest rank, and it went on up to full full colonel. And I went through my all the questions in the reviewing board, and the last question I got was from the colonel himself. And he said to me, he said, uh, he said, uh, Mr. Sleaford, are you proud of your uniform? I said, I certainly am, sir. The preceding program is copyrighted by Grand Valley State University. Visit us at gbsu.edu.